Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 229. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Sam Whipple. Pleasure to be back as always. And I'm grateful you're here for another entry in our series entitled Between These Eyes of Ink, looking at and dissecting quotations that are both popular and lesser known. Today's quotation comes from Plato in his work Mino. Quote, Politicians depend on good guesswork, not on understanding, in steering the state on the right course. They are just like soothsayers and prophets, who say much that is true, but understand nothing of what they are saying. And Sam, while I find many things in this quotation interesting, the idea of guesswork is particularly appealing to me because it makes, I think, an implicit criticism of what politicians do. And that's not culturally abnormal or unusual, but that particular criticism I find interesting. And given your background in political study, I was particularly interested to hear what you might have to say about this. Thanks, Kip. I do think this is a really interesting quote. The first thing I think about is connecting it to parts of other of Plato's work. I'm by no means a platonic scholar in either the ideal sense or of the books themselves. But one of the central questions, I think, of much of Plato's work was a broader question about whether or not it's better for one to be just than to be unjust. And I think when it comes to that question of guesswork and what it is a politician is truly trying to do or should be doing, that question of being just or unjust is impossible to avoid when it comes to someone who is, in fact, I think, making predictions about the direction or choices that any size body, be it country, state, local government, is making about the future of its citizens, the choices that they make that inevitably involve winners and losers. It's the unfortunate reality of politics that every choice will have benefits for some groups and detriments for others. There are, of course, many different approaches to that central problem of politics, whether you're simply a utilitarian or a brute nihilist. At the end of the day, I think that guesswork quote doesn't necessarily have to be a criticism. I think one can do good informed guesswork, provided that it is imbued with a sense of historical fact, of current fact, of data and analysis. And this, of course, is in specific relation to the problem of developing policy. But I'm curious how you see it in relation to the problem that politicians inevitably have to deal with as well of giving a sort of moral force to their role in society, particularly given the fact that many politicians in our current society inhabit a very public role in our lives and are subject to a great deal of scrutiny about the role that they play, not just in developing policy, but also in guiding us in both moral and practical questions. I think guesswork must necessarily be a component of making those decisions because one simply cannot predict the future. But particularly in the realm of politics, which deals with people's lives and many hard choices, I wonder if you see that role as having that inherent moral leadership quality and whether or not guesswork really does serve to be a detriment or a benefit to that work. You're making a lot of great points, and that's a wise question to ask. 
To me, what's so interesting about the term guesswork is that it's very human, and I would say universal, to go about the world with our best guesses or predictions. And as much as science or other metrics of understanding our world can corner truth or reality to some extent, I think in many ways, truth remains nebulous and slippery. It's something you can almost wrap your hands around, but I think in many cases, especially complex or crucial truth, I don't know that you can ever really touch it. And I tie that back to this quotation because, as human beings, we look to leaders to have understanding that we, the populace, don't necessarily. And while I understand that impulse, I think it's often an unhealthy one that places our leaders on a pedestal of expectations they can't possibly satisfy. And I'm not saying you shouldn't hold leaders accountable, but this idea of guesswork, I think, is actually really complex and worthy of, if not sympathy, empathy, or curiosity for how our politicians and leaders go about navigating the world as our representatives. And to the direct question of moral leadership, I'm reminded of events like the Iraq War and other circumstances that leaders at the time may have made with conviction and perhaps some clandestine intents or motives, but also that they are capable of regretting or going back on their decision months, years, or even decades later, to me reflects humanity that I don't think we often ascribe to politicians because of what they are paid, the positions they have, and indeed, the power they wield over many of us. But they are still people, and that's where the word guesswork to me is especially profound and important in this quotation, because we are all guessing, even if we are more informed or more educated. Every day is a series of thousands of choices, although we might not acknowledge them, and to a politician, the only distinction, though an important one, is that their choices, as you said, Sam, affect the lives of many around them. And I really appreciate that you noted that there will be winners and losers. I think the key for politicians, at least in my outlook on the world, is to minimize the number of losers and maximize the number of winners to put it in a black and white framework. But as this quotation is particularly a linguistic example of thought, I'm reminded of countless political speeches in which politicians promise things. They guarantee, they lean upon certainty that I don't think necessarily exists. And if we're looking at morality from that angle, the more honest politician, at least in my mind, would say, I'm going to do my best in X, Y, or Z categories, but I'll be honest, I don't know how my colleagues will vote or behave, and I also don't know what circumstances, potentially economic circumstances, will look like when I'm in power, prospective voter I'm trying to court. Yeah, that's exactly right, Kip. I think that dynamic is present in every race. And Plato, of course, is fairly aware of that, keenly so, I think, in this quote. Soothsayers and prophets being a criticism, I think, is in many ways valid because we expect that political leaders will have to make some assurances or offer some sort of indication that they have a plan, at least. But I connect with this idea you've described of having a sort of almost old-fashioned idea of Politicians simply offering themselves up as potential representatives to voters, simply being people who they think could represent us well and our interests in whatever body it is they might be serving in. But unfortunately, I think we're also in a current political climate where there are many incentives for political leaders to 
participate in the process and do whatever it takes to win to the extent that it seems almost unthinkable to imagine, particularly in the context of the American political system, a representative saying, you know what? I think my opponent would in fact be a better representative for the people of this district. And despite having offered myself as a candidate, I would be willing to concede that this person has either more relevant or better ideas for serving these people, or in fact is simply a better representative. I wonder if we could see a moment where that idea comes to fruition, given the fact that I think so much of American politics today is suffused with this concept of identity politics, which I don't want to oversimplify, but that notion relies, I think, on somewhat of an oversimplification of that very nebulous term. But I mean it broadly to say that as we think more about the very core identity of who our representatives are and the demographics of the people they choose to represent, I can see that issue very much becoming something that is more prominent in races across the American political spectrum. But at the end of the day, the promises they have to make, I think we would hope, would be irrespective of who they are as a person. I think as long as we understand that they can do the job well and that they approach it with a set of facts and understanding that contribute to their ability to solve problems for people who desperately need those problems solved. So when Plato talks about them understanding nothing of what they are saying, this is obviously a very pessimistic view of the notion I've described of politicians having a thorough understanding of the promises that they've made. But I find it a bit fascinating that Plato even acknowledges that they can say something that is itself true, even of having no understanding of it. And I wonder if we find ourselves now at a moment in American politics with a leader that has found an ability to say something that is perceived to be true by a large enough segment of the population, but has himself no understanding of what it actually means. I'm actually really intrigued that you say it's obviously pessimistic, because to me, there is a strong optimistic thread there, that being an ability to express truth, even if they don't fully understand it, that there is some connection in the same way that human beings have the instincts to breathe or to blink, though we might not have to think about them, there is this unspoken and pre-conscious connection to something we can make use of, even if we can't put it into words or clear thought. But I also definitely understand the pessimistic slant to that. To me, what you're touching on when referring to our politics and truth that feels like it's captured, it's more about feeling than thought or rationale. I'm not saying human beings are emotionally chaotic, but we are motivated by our emotions, by our feelings about things. Hopefully, logic substantiates some of our thinking and helps us build frameworks or come up with arguments to assess our emotions, but I don't think any of us would deny that they play a role in how we choose things, especially when it comes to issues like politics. And on that note, I'm really glad that you brought us to the reference to soothsayers and prophets. Because while they might say things that sound compelling, my impression of what makes an effective soothsayer or prophet, and we could really dig down into the word effective, is that they give something to people that feels like a compass heading worth following, a star worth marching after. And I think that's often based in feeling. What's motivational enough to get us to march forward or frightening enough to encourage us all to flee? And I'm especially curious to hear the response that you or audience members might have to the following, 
But when I hear about soothsayers and prophets, I don't envision teams or groups of individuals, but rather the person, the single, the individual. And so it's interesting earlier that you also mentioned persons and personalities and how we might hope politicians could put the group ahead of themselves. But I think Plato draws an excellent connection in referencing soothsayers and prophets because typically, again in my conception, they operated as individuals, as strong but single leaders, faces we could associate with truth or guidance. And I wonder if, in any political landscape, we as human beings might benefit from more collective leadership rather than pyramid-like hierarchies. Yeah, Kip, I think you've raised an essential question. I apologize, I was thinking about something you said earlier. I think what you were really describing was intuition, that in many ways we can feel something to be true even before we necessarily know it to be so. And that's such an essential element of politics, being able to connect with people on a level that is not simply intellectual, that is also emotional. I think back to the point you made earlier about displaying one's humanity in the political process, right? There's, to me, an interesting tension there and a sort of trap of authenticity that I think so many politicians can fall into. On the one hand, we want our political leaders to be human. We want to understand that they think and act in a way that's similar to us, and it becomes very easy to put them under a microscope and point out the ticks and flaws that many individuals would naturally represent when being placed in front of a massive group of people that they're forced to make decisions on behalf of. And yet at the same time, when we truly let that humanity out in people, sometimes we don't always like what we see. There's, I think, an interesting balance there between allowing our leaders some sort of capacity to show that they are themselves human and thus fallible, but also wanting them to be sort of the perfect avatars of our ideas for how the political system should function. So to your question about whether or not we need a sort of groupthink dynamic as opposed to the rigid hierarchies that we see in so many places... If I had to make an assessment of the American political system now, one of the things that you see, of course, in documents like the Federalist Papers, which come from the folks who did much of this thinking about how our American political system should work, they were very conscious of the idea that we needed institutions, systems, checks and balances to manage the competing individual egos that would naturally be vying for power, for attention, for monetary gain. And they were very concerned with this idea of how we could structure a system that encouraged them to work with one another in ways that were ultimately beneficial to the public good and not simply to the whims of a private individual who could seek power simply for its own sake and not for the help of others. But I think in another way, too, your discussion of prophets reminds me that that word is imbued, I think, with its religious connotations of being a person who is in many ways deified who is in some ways above the people that they seek to present a vision of the future for. It's not just about making them feel good. It's about making people feel that they have a sense of what the future holds. Politicians will always have to do that, I think, to some degree. But to the extent that they can work together to come up with a common vision for what the most good might look like for the most number of people, although I hesitate to go too far in that utilitarian direction myself, 
I think broadly as an idea, that offers a lot of hope that even a sort of soothsayer, a prophet, even someone who might not have a full understanding of the ideas they present, as long as they hold some truth to them, they might yet steer us in the right direction. But I wonder what our audience would think about a few of these questions. How much of a human do we want to see in a politician? To what extent do we think they can really check ego and self-desire in a position that is meant to be for the service of far more people than simply themselves? And also to what degree we think that even in a case of not having full understanding, if they can say something that is true to a good number of people, is that a good thing? Does that lead us down a path to ruin or can that ultimately be some sort of hope for the people who lead us? To that direct reference of leadership, I'd like to note that I find Plato's initial wording in this quotation to be very interesting. He says politicians depend on good guesswork, but politicians don't live or operate in a vacuum, and in many ways, constituents depend on the good guesswork of politicians. And I think that's an important perspective to take because it places responsibility and accountability in the hands of politicians that they hold people's lives or aspects of their lives in their hands, and that they should be careful, considerate, and compassionate with those lives and how they deal with them. But I'd also like the audience to think about how truth operates in our society and what truths we do or don't want to know. There are countless famous phrases about how grim and uncomfortable the truth can be, but perhaps some of you listening don't actually think it's worth engaging with 100% of the time or fully, though I do personally think authenticity is really valuable. And Sam, for your authenticity and eloquence, I'd really like to thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a great discussion, Kip. Thanks again. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we're definitely not the only people affected by a political system, so we'd really love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.